Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Hey, Miguel Iterate, Lights Out Podcast, Mike Davis, and we are joined by Modi Hornstein, an MMA pioneer, one of the early forerunners and uh you know especially when you consider international mma uh a representative of israel now living in new york and uh, we're joined by modi hornstein sir how are you i'm very good how are you excellent excellent modi uh definitely an honor to have you i'm going to turn it over to mike davis he's the mma detective and he's been on the case let's call it you know so uh, he's going to take us through your early career we're going to get to try to get to know you like beyond the UFC. You know, people remember those fights, but we want to get to know you. So, Mike? All right. So, Modi, my first introduction to you was actually watching you on ESPN. Um, There was a local event, um, Shidikon. It was like a big tournament held by some of the big wigs from the, the stock market here in Chicago, as well as coordinated by some members of the Chicago Police Department. And they invited people from all over the world, although it was kind of Chicago centric and you guys competed with each other. Uh, it, it, Why don't you let our audience know exactly what Chitacan was in your experiences with them? Because it was special. Yes, sir. So first of all, um, I think that Chitacan was one of the pioneer system of ultimate fight. Yeah. Uh, in the in the regular, I mean the, the preliminaries. In usual, we fight two two rounds, two round karate, two round kick muay thai, and two rounds uh, no no like five ounce gloves, no rules. Um, and then when you get to the finals, you do three rounds from each one. Uh, obviously, I came from out the I was the outside because they did chidokan. I never did chidokan. And what what my my challenge in usual in my life is always challenge myself and go to different style and compete there and see how do I stand against that style. Now, of course, I have to really work hard on, um, uh, you know, you have rules. So I have to control myself, you know, if it's... So, you know, it was, it was, it was time that first pay-per-view events and you had to fight, like, I'm talking about six fights, seven fights a day with that six rounds before you get to the last round finals um that you you fight for the for the first place that's going to be three rounds the last fight so you're talking about starting nine o'clock in the morning and you're not finished until the 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 live show is only eight people that win all day long and now they go to fight for the tournament so then you have tournament like you go against the first then you go whoever win goes together whoever win goes together all the way to the first place like any tournament so um, you know, it was a first timer. We didn't know what to expect. It was just, just fun things, you know, like you, you had to change your, your fight between and really control of what's going on. And me coming from outside, I didn't know the rules like they, and you allowed five penalty, six penalty, you out, but you're not, you allowed five penalty. So if you you're not allowed to punch in the face. I used to get punches in the face and, you know, you can, you can get, you can 
get back to the other fighter, but it wasn't my intention. My intention it was to stay by the rules and not to get no uh, penalties on doing something wrong, you know, because that was my, my goal. And um, I fought against unbelievable fighter there. One of them was uh, Peter um, Vine, Peter Vine. And there was the, the 24 years old, six foot four, and he was the champion of Shirokan for many years. And when I came, it was my, my uh, way to go for the, fight, for the last round for winning the world champion. And um, I win that fight. And then, I mean, obviously Shirokan didn't really was happy about it that somebody else from not from Shirokan win the Shirokan uh, tournament. So they set up three more fights. Uh, that there was another nine rounds, and then he was 12 rounds just to see if he can beat me. I, I was like uh, 12, 13 years older than him. And um, the guy was very good, and we had unbelievable fights. You know, it's just like, uh, but I think that Shirokan, I don't know why, but this is a great tournament. It was in, you know, so people at home can kind of understand like how the magnitude of what Shidekan was, you know, it's, it's real easy for, for people to say, Oh, he's a traditional martial artist. And he just kind of write it off. Well, at one point, that's all people had, like the guys that really desired and wanted to fight and test themselves, you know, the platform that exists now just didn't then. And they used to have to go, you know, to these other regional tournaments so Shidekan had several early pioneers of mixed martial arts uh, people in it that eventually transferred over to the UFC. I think Pat Militich was one of them. Shoney Carter certainly was. Brian Gassaway was. Dave Strasser was. I mean, there were some really oh, high-end guys yeah. that made their impact in the UFC that went through the Shidekan tournaments in order to you know, prove themselves and their worth prior to the UFC even existing. Yeah, so it was, I remember, it was, I remember you have seen us after they saw us in purple view to enter to the UFC, to the, to the first 10 UFCs. They contacted them. Yes. In fact, uh, from what I understand, Dana White and the Fertitas prior to purchasing the UFC had explored purchasing Shidekan. And it was just kind of like one of those avenues where, you know, they were going to go one way or the other. They were going to get involved in combat sports. It was just said to uh, what degree. So, you know, a, a very important part of history. Now, so let, let me ask you, Modi, how, how did you get to the Shidakan tournaments? Were, were you coming from Israel or were you already based out of New York? I was already based in New York. Um, and uh, I did a lot of tournaments of Yukushin Karate and kickboxing and stuff like that. So a lot of people knew me. As a good fighter, I was winning a lot of fights. You know, I was fighting every two, three weeks. Um, it was funny because you get hurt and then you say, I never fight again. And then you get another call. You have a fight in two weeks. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No money, no nothing. And you just go and be crazy. And um, yeah, they, they, you know, they, 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 approach, they approach us from UFC to come and do, you know, we didn't know what it is. We just saw uh, Gracie was the first, uh, the first tournament and stuff like that. But I think that, that really uh, Shirokan was uh, the ultimate fight then because we did a lot of different things in that. And it was nine rounds, you know, and that wasn't like, uh, you know, when the UFC started, it was cool because it was no rules. It was a half hour fight. Um, two, the, 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 the commercial for that was two goes in, one goes out, you know, mm -hmm. that was scary. So mm -hmm. when I heard my first fight, I was standing in front of Mark Kerr 
uh, Mark Coleman, I'm sorry, Mark Coleman. I was like, wow, look at that, huge guys. And it was 265, I was 220, 225, something like that. And hey, we just get out of there. You know, we got, we got crazy and we got in. Um, then I got Marker, then I got... Well, wait, you know, Matty, uh, Matty yeah. we're, we're going to kind of take this step by step, if you don't mind, I apologize. Yeah. So Eddie Yoshimura was a local, but he was a Chicago police sergeant. He had a gym that actually produced several people that went on to the fight for the UFC. He was one of the, I think he was the main Shidakan guy that put everything together. But from right. there, after Shidakan, and as well as several other tournaments, um, July 12th, 1996, you make your UFC debut at UFC 10. Why don't we talk about how you got into the UFC? So I got a phone call and they told me uh, we're making a new tournament. It's something big. Uh, we're going uh, karate against kickboxing, kickboxing against grappling, all kinds of styles against each other. I was like, okay, great. You set me up for, for a fight. I will come. No, it's a tournament. Like those days, it was only tournaments. It was a no one fight. You know, later on came the one fight um, um, championship style and stuff like that. But that, those days, we, we would fight all day long until the, the night when, when somebody is lost, you know? You go through a lot of different fighters. You win, you continue. You you lost, you go home. So it was uh it was it was interesting then when he just started, you know. So when you got the draw with Mark Coleman, well, first and foremost, the rumor was that the UFC owner Bob Myrowitz, his wife was the one that asked the her husband to allow you into the tournament. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I know the admirer called us and, and asked if, if I can jump in, but I didn't know about his wife, no. Uh, yes. So are you Israeli military, uh, former yes. Israel? Yes. And you grew up in Israel? Yes, sir. I came here in uh, 89 in, uh, in, uh, just for two weeks vacation, and then I liked the place, and I stayed. Oh, that's interesting. So, Mark Coleman, you're... you're uh... Advertised as a three-time Israeli karate champion, and obviously the Shidikan tournament in Chicago that you had won. Um, going into that fight with Coleman, what were your thoughts? The first, the first, first thing you know, you saw those guys. You were in the hotel, so you see them doing the weekend in the elevator, in the lunch, in the food and stuff like that. And I saw his legs, I saw his body. I, saw, I was like, you know, I know that in usual somebody have that kind of physique. Is not having good cardio, you know. Yes, uh, I find out that they do have a good cardio, but not for a long time. But they stopped the fight after two minutes and fifty seconds. Obviously, we knew that he would take me down. His punches and finishes on the ground was nothing, you know. I didn't got hurt. I didn't. They did just didn't want to have a blood then in the beginning because they want to put it in in purple view. So they stopped the fight very fast. So two two minutes and 50, 50 seconds. With Marker and Mark Coleman, they stopped the fight. I, yeah, I didn't have any blood, no black and blue, no. You know, I was on the floor protecting myself and waiting until they're going to get tired. But they stopped the fight. I couldn't get out of them under. They're wrestlers, you know. They're very good in, in mounting you, you know. But it, it doesn't matter. I was waiting for them to get tired and then work. But they stopped the fight. That's right. That's right. So Marker... They don't do you any favors in your in your second bout. It's almost like a larger version of Mark Coleman, July yes. 27th, 1997 at UFC 14. 
where they put former Division One national champion from Syracuse University up against you. Did they give you like an option of opponents, or is this somebody that you no. chose? You, they choose. They tell you like from the beginning, you come to fight that guy. It, man, that that's a rough <laughs> second draw. In those days wasn't no videos to see other fighters or fights. It was no, no, um, no, no knowledge of the other fighters. Whoever comes in the ring, comes in the ring. You go head to head. That's it. You don't check them. You don't know who is the guy. Those is like the eighties. No, you know, within nineties, we didn't know who is the other fighter. Now, did well, uh, when you uh, have you seen the UFCs? A couple of the videos, at least, or the pay per views before you fought it. Of course. Okay, because but Coleman was a new thing too. This was also his debut. There was nothing like him before. Exactly. So, did you get that feeling of like why me or were you like no, challenge? No. Talk about. Let me ask you about steroids. Do you think that that was a factor in that one? Absolutely. I mean, the guys first of all doesn't listen. I'm for. I fought a lot of people. I fought Bob Schreiber in in, in Europe, and we'll this guy on all kind of stuff. And I was kneeing in the face, elbow him in the face. Uh, the, the guy didn't go down. You know. So if you remember, also, it was a big show about Mark Kerr and Mark Oman, about all the drugs and all the uh, stuff that they take all the, uh, all the time, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I was uh, first for Mark Oman and first for Mark Kerr, yeah. you know? So nobody saw him before. I didn't saw him before. So nobody was, you know, whatever, wrestlers, grapplers, whatever. Let's fight. We see who's coming on the top, you know? That's, that was our mindset. That's crazy. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, how much was the entry-level pay at that time for UFC 10 and 14? Uh, I got all together for all my fights, 2,500. 25 each or 2,500 total? 25 total. <laughs> 2,500 total. Okay. On, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, on, the, um, on the first with Coleman, I got 25. On the second, I think I got 5,000. Okay, okay. Man, it's better than it was a few years ago for the UFC, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, all right, so you had, in 1997, I don't have the date for it, you fought an organization known as Kingdoms, and you had drawn Sakuraba, you know, pre-Sakuraba being a monster legend. He was kind of on his way. <laughs> That's before anybody knew him because he was a re he was doing uh shows wrestling, you know, and then he got into the fighting MMA and he was unbelievable. I mean, this guy really had unbelievable, unbelievable skills. So, so let me get this straight, Mike. Mark Kerr, no one's seen him before. Modi gets to see him first. Mark Coleman, no one's seen him before. Modi gets to see him first. Sakuraba, no one's no. seen him before. Modi gets introduced. Good lord, Modi, they really Wait. didn't treat you good. My luck, man. Who knows? You know, <laughs> my, listen, I didn't have a coach, I didn't have help, I didn't have cornermans. I was traveling all over the world just by myself. You know, it, it was very hard to fight like that because those days nobody played for pay for your fights, pay for your uh way to travel, pay for your uh, uh coaches. I was going by myself to places to fight and just, you know, whatever happened, happened. All right, so Miguel, 
sometimes like in Modi, I, I don't know you. Like I really, obviously right. there are certain things in life that you have to answer for. Like I looked at your record and I said, Oh, Marty was not a good guy. Look, look at these people. There's, this is karma. There's, there's something that Marty did that was very bad because you had Mark Coleman, Mark Kerr, Sakuraba. And then after this is Oleg Tektarov. But before we get to Tektarov, which is, this is, this is a crazy record. Before we get to Tektarov, with Sakuraba, so was that fight like a pro wrestling mix or was that a real fight? No, it was a real fight, MMA. It was the first time the kingdom put real, real, uh, real fight for his fighters. So people say it's like, you know, it's a pro wrestling bout, but I watched it. There's no way that was pro wrestling. Like there was, you know, a couple instances where the, you know, the, I don't know the movements of the two of you maybe may not have been in sync, but it was because it was like a chain wrestling type, you know, scenario. Um, what was it like fighting Sakuraba in Japan? We describe, describe it like, like a snake, you know, like everything that, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't there hundred percent for my shots. Um, he knew how to get around that. He knew how to, Excellent submitted. Obviously, I got three times out of on bars, pick them up, throw them on the floors. And it was about, I don't remember, like 12 minutes, 15 minutes fight um, until he got me with the leg lag in the end. Um, we pretty much worked hard for, for a long time. It was a good fight. I felt good in this fight. I felt, you know, I was a little bit bigger than him. That's the first time I'm bigger than somebody else. <laughs> it was a good and, showing. Uh, yeah. And it was it was a great fight, man. I I enjoy even if I lost the fight, I enjoy the fight. I yeah, the fight. I would say that's probably your best showing. But it's also like up until this point, you've had you know two hundred and fifty pound wrestlers. You know now you've got another wrestler, except it's somebody you know maybe not as big as you and not as skilled as the other two. Um, I'm you, they, they're not counting that fight on your record due to the fact that they said it was it was on a pro wrestling event. But that that fight was absolutely one hundred percent real. Like you, you could tell just by watching it. Yeah, I got hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after that, you fight in Almaty, Kazakhstan at the National Free Spar in February 21st, 1998 against another legend in Oleg Tektarov. Yes, sir. So this is this has happened like we, we went to Kazakhstan and to do a, a, um, a tour of it was a five fight store. So one of them was, was Taktarov. But we was fighting like every, other, every, every three days we was fighting somebody else. And then Taktarov was there as well. But um, it, was, it was, I mean, the Russian bear, you hit him, he doesn't care. It was very good. Was this a tournament that you were in? Yes. Okay, who was your first round opponent? Another Russian guy. Okay, and you won that bout. Yes, I won the three bouts, the first three bouts, and then I fought against him. We went to different different cities to do different tournaments. And with him, like the one with him, he win also like two or three fights, and then I fought with him for the for the finals. Okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at like how it's laid out, and I think the uh, the records of the three days are kind of pushed into one. So uh, yeah, Mick Tierney was the opening bout for Oleg, and then he's got you. Obviously, you had people prior to that what's interesting yeah. is is at 130 in round one 
the uh, the bell keepers started ringing the bell. It was almost as if, like there was an emergency happening, and that the referee had to stop the fight. And they gave it's you guys Russia. a break. What, what was taking place at that moment? Uh, it's why Russia have their own their own rules, their own things. They <laughs> they in charge. They also decide the usual who's going to be winning. It's hard to fight there. Now, so, let me ask you, I, around this time, there were a couple of MMA events that took place in Israel with Russian ties. Uh, Nick Nutter fought Volchanchin there, and, and, and there were shows that were also run by Frederico Le Pen in Israel. Did you ever get approached by those shows? There was later on. There was later on. Okay, okay. Not in the beginning. I got you, okay. Uh, that, was, that was after... We brought the IAC and we make the fights in Israel. We did the biggest show uh, in Israel, like brought fighters from here in um, in Nokia, which is the biggest uh, the biggest uh, place in uh, in uh, Tel Aviv. We did the biggest fights over there. We brought some fighters from here. Okay, uh, uh, let me hand it back to Mike. I wanted to ask about those old. So, so Mori, yes, the thing about those events in Israel is. They used to bring in a lot of Russian fighters, and it was almost like a home field advantage for the Russians fighting in Israel because of how many Russian populated, you know, how much, how many Russians live in in your country. Yeah, a lot, a lot. It was uh, about I think uh, 15 years ago that uh, they opened the the border for all the. People in Russia, they have problems and stuff like that to come in and they help them. It was a big, uh, big movement. Yes. So in the overtime period with Olag, which is incredible for you even to get that far, um, he gets you in a, a, like a knee bar and you yeah. start yelling, but you refuse to tap. How tight was that? <laughs> Uh, tight like you feel like it's it's about to pop you know it's like it's about to pop you know that feeling yeah you, you didn't want to tap though huh the legs and 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 you feel like the 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 the, the ligament on the ankles going to yeah it's almost there that's his specialty too i mean yeah i mean like like sambo he's a sambo yeah guy. you had to be carried from the cage how, how was the recovery process uh, three days, three days. I said, so my ankle twisted a little bit, but it was okay. I was able to walk with it after a day. Really? Yeah, not that's wild. Stop the fight in time. Nothing happened to my leg. So, so you had mentioned a name earlier, um, Dirty Bob Schreiber. That's your fourth fight. And he's like one of our favorite fighters here because <laughs> of just how many ridiculous situations that guy puts himself in. You fight at the Amsterdam Absolute Championship, October 25th, 1998. Dirty Bob Schreiber. How about, I mean, I know you guys fought twice. Let's just kind of stay on the first fight. Why don't you walk us through what happened? Because this is a must-watch fight for any MMA fan. Crazy, crazy. So, you know, I came to, uh, I mean, I never checked who's my fighters because it wasn't time for that yet. Those days, you didn't know. And I knew that he's the champion of Europe. So we came over there and uh, we started. It was a one round, 15 minutes, the fight. Um, we started the fight. 
it was an awesome fight, man. Elbows, like knees to the face. I got like really, he's on top of me, I'm on top of him. It was like going for crazy time. Um, in the, I think it was the, the minute of maybe 12 minutes to the fight or something like that. Uh, in me, in the groin, hard, man. I fell right down. And the referee stopped the fight for that time, let me recover. And the guy couldn't wait for me to get up. So he came in and, and, and as I on the ground, kicked me in the face when I holding my groin. So the referee stopped the fight and I have no idea what happened there. And I guess that they give him the fight or something like that for in, in, in my first fight. Or they give, I don't remember what, what, what was there, but I got hurt in my groin. I was on the ground and he came from the side and kicked me in the face when I'm on the ground. Miguel, Miguel, so, hold up. Wait, wait, Miguel, this, this is fantastic. So he literally takes a groin shot. Mike literally takes a groin shot, needs his time to recover. And Dirty Bob is in the neutral corner. He gets this like cartoonish look on his face oh, and runs over and knees Mati in the head while Mati's down. And then Mati obviously can't continue, probably from the groin strike. You know, the, the, you know, the, the knee to the head certainly didn't help either. And they give Dirty Bob the fight. They give him the win. Yeah. Yeah, it's Holland. So, like, Marty was holding his groin, so he hit him in the head. If he had been holding his head, he would have hit him in the groin again. That's Bob. You know, yes. I mean, it's crazy. But so it does go down as a loss on your Wait, record. Are you dude. upset at the show? Like, how do you how do you complain? And how was the pay? <laughs> can be upset, but they already determined the fight, and you can not nothing to do about it. So you know, it's like, okay, we're gonna come back to another fight. I have to fight him again, and then we get him back again. Well, well, it gets worse. So let, let, let's go through, like, so far what we're describing is somebody that has fought absolute murderers. Like, you have not had an easy fight. So at one point, Bob, like, in the beginning of the bout, uh, Dirty Bob Schreiber lands an awkward punch, gets a standing eight count uh, for Matt Mati, you know, allows him to stand up. Um there's a scramble afterward and you're getting good on the ground. Like you're, you're learning the ground and understanding just kind of the mechanics. You get a rear naked choke. Dirty Bob Schreiber throws his leg over the rope. So they made him break the submission. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I didn't even know about this rule that he can touch the, the rope and then they stop it. What is it's, that? It's awesome. So <laughs> Nobody knew about it until then. No, no. <laughs> So when he gets the rear naked choke and the referee kind of breaks him up, Mighty's corner jumps in to, to celebrate. You know, we got the, the monkey off of our back. Bob finally won in one of these rule sets. And then they were informed, no, 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 we're actually, we're starting over. His, uh, his foot was over the rope. <laughs> and then, and then Bob, um, Bob punches Mighty in the back of the head so hard that his mouthpiece comes flying out. And, no warning, no issues from the referee. Um, he threw, like, the, the he, Bob received a warning for throwing elbows on the ground. I've got every foul. I've got every foul, Matty. I apologize. I need to get through this. It's kind of therapy for that of myself. I, I, I'm yes, apologizing. Bob tapped out, and Matty thought he won, but then it was like, an, like another escape. Then Bob is warned for an illegal head stomp, which Matty fully absorbed without getting 
any additional time to recover. Um, Bob delivers a groin kick while Marty's recovering in the ground. Bob runs across the ring and kicks him in the head and tells him to get up. Marty's corner is telling the referee, this is crazy. This needs to stop. Please stop the bout. <laughs> <That was crazy. laughs> and then uh, Marty decides not to continue. So it goes to a uh, judge's decision and Bob Schreiber is declared the winner. <laughs> Listen, but that's happened every time you go to different country and different places. Because Not like that. Not like that. Well, well, keep in mind, you know, Kazakhstan and five fights, you know, before Oleg and stuff, you know, every three days, that can't be easy because at least in Holland, you know, Kazakhstan, like the hotel, the food, everything is a little bit of a different world, at least, you know, for New York or, you know, like that stuff. Holland's a little bit, at least that's okay. But that treatment with the refs and judges, huh? That's not fair, huh? Did... Now, said, what was Bob like, though? What was Bob like, like afterwards, before? Like, did you talk to this guy? No. This guy was on fire. Like, you couldn't, like, his head was like this. His body was like that. He couldn't stand up straight. He was standing in front of the ring and cannot say, I, I, I was, like, the, the face, like, you know, you see a crazy, like, one of those movies, you know? I was like, wow, this guy is either sick or something is wrong with him. Look at him. Because <laughs> I never saw him before, you know? When I came over there, I see him shaking his face and hit himself in the face. And yes, wow, this is real. <laughs> this is real. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to say something that is pure. This has nothing to do with reality or, or fact or anything of that nature. When you watch Dirty Bob walk in, like from his entrance, he's got his like hands up. He's like he's in a different he's on a different planet. Like he's not here. Like wherever he is at, I'm not going to say he did all of the cocaine, but I'm saying that there was something that maybe he ingested to kind of get himself to that level because he is, he is not on this planet. Yeah, he's flying. He's, I mean, yeah, but you know, the, the, the people over there, over there after the fight told me also, you know, this guy is on a bunch of drugs and... <laughs> hurt him you, you can't hurt a guy like that it's it's hard well we had a uh, gilbert evel on who is one of the most devastating punchers pound for pound he's definitely in the top top 20 ever to live and he said he hit dirty bob with everything and he realized there's absolutely no way he could knock him up because bob would just get a funny look on his face and keep moving forward <laughs> and there was just nothing you could do like is somebody like dirty bob you just had to pace yourself and you know, deal with all the fouls and, you know, try to try to win that way. Yeah. Yep. Now, yeah. now, Modi, you're, you're, you know, you come from karate background. Karate isn't really, uh, you know, the it's not known for steroids. But now you've crossed over into this new world. Did you at some point consider doing steroids? I mean, no one's testing. Is it crazy? What was your yeah. mindset about it? Or, and how did you feel knowing about your opponents? You know, I was naturally going 225. I didn't have to do anything for the fights. You know, not the cut weight, not the head weight. I was the lightest one on the super heavyweight. Mm -hmm. So it was 220, the, the super heavyweight, and I was 225. So I was, uh, you know, I never think to go five pounds and try just heavyweight. It's a super heavyweight. But 
it was uh, it was like comfortable for me because I, I I didn't have to do anything and I was fighting all the time. Um, and just take fight whoever I didn't care who is that you know I didn't care if it's this one or this one. Um, one second. Yeah, uh, it didn't matter, huh? Yeah, just just let me fight, you know. And it was funny because every two three weeks you get the phone call and uh, you want to fight this one, you want to fight this one. I was I don't care, just you know. Give me the time and the date, and a lot of fight didn't happen. And uh, if I did have, you know, it was all days. So, but it was very. Where were you training time. at? I'm sorry. Where were you training at for these bouts? Um, I was training in New York. I had my own dojo. I was working three jobs and training in my dojo and fighting. You know, it wasn't like the 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 luxury of fighter can train morning and afternoon. And get paid good, you know. It wasn't like that. As the time that we had to work all the jobs, and then the weekends go and and then fight the weekends and come back and start the week again. Doesn't matter if you're hurt or not hurt. You got to be teaching class Monday after the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you're now in Florida. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. When did you move from New York to Florida? 2004 make the move uh, I got tired from the cold snow <laughs> living a half six months of the year there so I move over here and I'm happy and you had never thought about moving back to Israel uh no no huh. okay so May 24th 1999 the Bas and Invitational is the second uh event that they did John Peretti is the matchmaker and you finally get a fight that allows you to fight another stand-up fighter no, I didn't. <laughs> Pat Smith? Yeah. And with that, I, I came to Colorado bringing one of my fighters to fight in the event. I wasn't scheduled to fight. This is a funny story. Mm -hmm. oh. So come to me. He came to me when I'm there and he said, listen, the fight of um, uh, Pat, Smith. Uh, Pat Smith didn't show up. Can you fight tonight? I was like, I don't even have a mouthpiece and a pants, man. Well, well, how, how can uh, I'm, I'm, you know what? You pay, I fight. Don't tell anybody nothing. You just show up in the ring and that's it. He's not going to say anything because the other guy didn't show up. So we did that. We just showed up in the ring. And the first, obviously, I didn't train for that fight. It's five, five, uh, five rounds, three minutes in, in Colorado, which is, you know, oh. the, the, that was, I was never trained there. Now I'm trying. It's five minutes, three, uh, five, five rounds, three minutes Muay Thai, Muay Thai rules. So me and him going, and I'm going in, and I see like you know you have in your head the the, the combination how we're gonna go and the air and the breathing and all that, and then you throw it out, and I see it, it's it's not good, and it's not something was weird in that fight. You know what? Like I wasn't me. It wasn't me. A little bit slowly, a little bit, uh, but again I got the fight and I got five rounds and I win the fight. After that win, I got... Well, how did you win? Uh, unanimous decision. It was all the way to the end. I knocked him down and I knocked him out for one time. Uh, he, he, he cut my, my eyebrow with the head. They wanted to stop the fight. I, I, I begged not to stop the fight. And they didn't stop the fight and I win it in the end. And then he went pissed off from the, from the ring and he went to, um, to um, the, the, the guy that made the fight. What's his name again? John Freddy. John Peretti, yeah. So Peretti, tell him, uh, what do you want, another fight? You want to fight like style UFC with him? 
He said, yeah, if I'm going to fight UFC with him, I will kill him in two seconds. He came to me, but I said, you want to fight another fight with Patrick Smith, the UFC, uh, UFC uh, rules? I said, you guys pay, I fight. They pay me another fight. I jump into the ring. And Is he this the same night? 30, yeah, same night. Same night. Go ahead. It makes sense. <laughs> Pat Smith is from there. Yeah. And, and Pat Smith also, on his resume, when he got to UFC, was a Shidokan guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that Pat Smith is Pat Smith. I don't know. He was a, uh, oh, it's some weird tournament name. Uh, some, yeah, no, no, no. It's Saido or, or, or something like that, karate, something uh, before the UFC he did. Okay. So you guys fought twice that night. Yeah, but in the night that I'm not supposed to fight, I wasn't even coming to fight. I broke my fight of it. I wasn't ready. I mean, obviously, as I said before, we was fighting every three weeks, so I was always ready. And I, I didn't have to get ready, you know. But that that ten thousand feet up in the air screw me up a lot. So what happens in the second bow? So the second bow, we bow. I go in. We're standing in front of that. Boom! Ranhas kick to the face, and he fell down and knocked out. You didn't see the second fight? I only saw the second fight. Like it's in, I saw a very small clip of the ending. Right. So, so this is the second fight. This is not the first fight. The first fight is five minutes. Uh, it's five rounds, three minutes of uh, Muay Thai. Muay Thai. That's why it's not listed anywhere. It's okay. a Muay Thai yeah, I couldn't game. find it. Yeah. I even like, uh, I looked for the whole event and I can only find a small little highlight on somebody's, you know, somebody's YouTube channel. No, How no. was your conversation with Pat Smith after that? Um, did we talk? I don't think we talked. No. I think you, yeah. Miguel, I think the tournament that you're thinking of was the Sabaki Challenge. That's it. Yeah. That's what it is. You, you got yeah. it. You, so right. the Sabaki Challenge took place in Colorado, and due to that fact of like a gloveless karate tournament taking place, Art Davy and the UFC were able to pull in with UFC one based on the Sabaki challenge having, having taken place right. a year prior. Um, now, Mo, Mo, you, you, have, you got Bob Shriver, you know, Pat Smith is, wasn't exactly the most, uh, you said he got angry after the Muay Thai fight. Well, like, was he going crazy? Uh, like not going crazy. He just went to, uh, right away and say, well, if he was a, that's not fair. If it was, a uh, no rules, I will kill him. Well, said, okay, if you want to, if you want me to fight again, pay me. I will go up. Come on. So you got paid twice that night. Yes. So was I wonder if Pat's original fight was in, like the UFC type rule fight, and because you were last minute, they made it Muay Thai. Is that the reason? I don't think so. I think he had that's supposed to be a Muay Thai. Uh, um. He was going to fight Muay Thai that day. Yeah, yeah huh. I, I, th I think that it was a Muay Thai fight. That's why. That's what we went. That's the Muay Thai fight he had the same night. He made the second fight he made by going out and saying, "Yeah, hey, we're going to beat him up." Blah, blah, blah. So for uh, for them, it was worth it to see them to see us again. You know, yeah, he was a big draw locally too. Yeah. yeah. It, it, what was your dealings like oh, in the second fight? People were me in the house. You know. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. What was your dealings like with Bas Rutten? <coughs> Bas Rutten, just a good friend. Good guy. We never, we never fought. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. 
Yeah. Okay. So November 27th, 1999, the Amsterdam Absolute Championship 2 decides to bring you back for a rematch against none other Dirty Bob Schreiber. One more fight. This time, everything's going to be okay. There's no yeah. doubt about that. <laughs> so why don't you walk us through it? Yeah, but I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a crazy fight like the first one. We both was watching out a little bit. We didn't go too hard, we, you know. Um, he, I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly the fight. I need to rewatch that. I don't exactly remember the, the details on this fight, but I remember. I think he win that fight. Also, they give it to him as well. You know. Yeah, it said uh, it was uh, stopped in the first round uh, with him winning. Yeah, I, I don't remember the the fight. I I, I need to. Re- I don't know if I ever even have the video for that. You know, in those days. It wouldn't, uh, you know, we don't have any videos for the fights. We didn't have anybody that can take the video. It's not on the internet. Like that fight, I looked exhaustively for. I, I, I couldn't find it. I went everywhere for it. The first one I find, I have some parts of that, but uh, somebody made me, uh, um, but the second one I don't have. Okay. Um, too hot to handle. Uh, May 3rd, 2000, you're back in Amsterdam again. You're obviously very well liked there. The promoters enjoy using you. You're probably easy to deal with. I mean, that's generally what happens when somebody keeps getting brought back to a country. You fight Alexandre, uh, was it Ferreira from uh, Box Academy? Brazilian, no? Yes, black belt. High-end black belt jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. Um, We had a good fight there. Um. I think in the end he submitted me, if I remember. Like, or, it was a key lock. Yeah, I think it was an armbar. This is my, my left shoulder broke in the snow, uh, in the snow accident in 92, in the beginning of my career of, uh, of fighting. And now the, the arms, I cannot go backwards like this. So you touch my, he, he grabbed my arms and I, and I tapped right away. I remember that. Um, my shoulder is broken, so I didn't want to dangerous that. So you uh, you were receiving instructions from your corner on how to like manage his guard. Had you been taking yeah. jujitsu at this point? Uh, I was I was taking sambo, not too much jujitsu. I start. I remember when when I saw the first fight of Gracie. Um, I start to work with Royler, and it was just the beginning. You know that the first two years that I'm I'm working on basics, and. Um, uh, obviously, a basic uh, jujitsu guy against a uh, black belt uh, got me good, <laughs> you know. Well, after stand up, you almost landed a uh, like a like a wheel kick on him. Um, yeah, you man, you were so close to winning that fight, you really were. You really were. What was all you know, if he didn't take me down, much something will happen there but uh, you know after after i was down and he was on top of me it was then story it was hard so miguel that concludes his mma career however pre-mma the 1995 masoyama heavyweight tournament i think that was in japan no it was in uh we had uh, some tournament of that in rochester new york and waitchester new york it was kyokushin karate and usa Oama karate Okay. So was it a combination of the two? Yeah. The world champion, I was I was world champion in both of them for oh. three consecutive years. Okay. 
And then in 1996, you're the Tagora Oyama fighting champion. Yeah, that's the that's the USA Oyama that I said just before. That's uh, that used to be a brother of of, of Masoyama, and he opened his own organization. So I go to both organization to win. Wow, that's interesting. So what are you doing now, Matty? You know, for everybody at home that's kind of wondering what you're up well, to. I have a great school. I'm training a lot of great people. Um, I'm developing a great, uh, a great uh, form of uh, self-defense, which is that's my, my intention always was Krav Maga. And when I went to fights, it wasn't my, my things to see, you know, how do I do? How do I do in those fights? Not really, or if I win or lose, or just, just for me to know what else I'm missing, what else I need to work, what else I need to bring to my students. In the end of the day, it's all about our students, you know? And I, I really work all this time to get myself obviously better, you know, and and just to see what else I can bring to uh, to my students, to my school, to uh, to to my style that I can really get better myself and bring uh, others to the same success. What's the name of your school? Uh, Monty Hornstein's Krav Maga MMA. Okay. And what, what city is it in? This is in North Miami Beach, Florida. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, let, let me ask you, like, obviously it's been great talking to you and, and you seem like a cool guy that doesn't have a lot yeah. of regrets. You know what I mean? But yes, sir. when you look back at it, you said that you didn't really mess around with cutting weight or anything like that. Do you think that, that, that if you had competed in a weight class, instead of against bigger guys that the, you may have had some different results. Is that something that you regret not looking at or? No, no, I tell you, I, I wanted to like, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, I'm, I don't like to cut weight and play with that. I'm, I'm believing that, you know, I myself going the way I am all the time. My no. fight can happen any second during the day. It's not that I'm going to have to cut my weight or be looking better or, or have my gi on me or uniform or pants. The fight can happen any second. I have to react to it. What's the best thing to react, you know? And that's how I develop my style. And, and, and most of the time, it's finished before it even starts, you know, as, as needs to be done. Because we're not in the street. We're not standing up and like, okay, let's fight. It needs to be open palm to the nose, elbow to the face, take down, finish him, uh, step on his head, walk away. You know, the, the finish needs to be one, two, three. We're not playing around. I'm not going to go fight you. So I know what's going to happen in the street if you're going to get into me. But I want to know more than that. If you know something, where can I take myself to which level? And I want to be me. I don't want to change me every time so I don't know where I am when I need to really fight. You know, so that's my, what my my ways of fighting. It's old school philosophy. Yeah, no, that's excellent. So this is me. You know, this is how I am. So, so Matty, if there was a memory from your days of fighting in mixed martial arts, who, I mean, I think every single fighter you had fought, with the exception of one, is in some sort of Hall of Fame. Um, what 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 advice would you or what what memory do you take away that's uh, the most yeah, the, the best for yourself. I think that, that no person is a machine. No person can, can, can really take you and fold you and break you, you know? 
anybody out there can be strong as you or you as strong as him. The wise, you, you know. So just go out there and give your best, and that's what I did. You know, I like to. I love fighting. That was my 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 drills and skills and and love. You know, to just go inside and give my best. It wasn't the idea of let me see if I can rip his head off. Or, or break his arm, or it wasn't never like that. It was let me go in, see how good I do against that guy. That's it. And most of the time, you know, it was fun. We was shaking hands, hugging after, going out to drink and have, you know, it's people. We are people. We are friends. We are professional. Those days in the beginning when was maybe still hate, you know, we'll kill him or whatever, but it wasn't me. I just go into the ring. You know, I never found, like, I will not say ever, but I don't remember one time I fouled somebody else and I got a point against me because that's my deal too. It was my control. It was my respect for the other person. It was my my skill and drills to, to really not hurt anybody and do it the right way, which is the rules, you know? So that's why my, my fun was to stick with that. So uh, somebody such as yourself, you know, you're a three-time national karate champion in Israel. Um, obviously, former military, Israeli military. Usually guys like yourself tend to stay in the military and you become kind of lifers is what they say in this country and just, you know, train other, uh, you know, other military members and kind of go along life, you know, within that system. What made you leave the Israeli military? So the age of 21, I went out from three years of war and I just had enough. Even in the ask us to stay, I didn't want to anymore because it was three years of like, not a good time. You know, it was, yeah, it was, with that, but losing all your friends, seeing people blowing up, seeing, you know, it's, it's really get a toll on yourself. And I, and I, and when, when I, 21 and three months, I got the opportunity to, to leave or to stay and I choose to leave. I wanted to go back to the martial art. I wanted to go back to fighting. You know, I was still training army and stuff like that, but not like staying there all the time. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Marty, you're an absolute gentleman. I sincerely appreciate your time with us. And, you know, your, your career, although not as extensive as some of the other people that we have on this podcast, it is uh, just as impactful and important as somebody that, uh, as our past interviews, we sincerely appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank Take you, care, brother. sir. An honor. Definitely an honor. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.